Welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Game of Thrones and a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings towards our two favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. Okay, so, um, hello, um, I am Lot, <laughs> Lady of Tarth, hyphen post on Tumblr. Joining me tonight, we have Eon. Hi, this is Eon, and you can find me at Eon Blue Negative on Tumblr. And Kama. Hi, this is Kama, and you can find me at Grammar Saves Lives at Tumblr. And Chiggy. Hey, this is Chiggy, I am Chikrin on Tumblr. And we're joined tonight by Jinmo. Hi, I'm Jinmo, and you can find me um, at Jinmo on Tumblr. Awesome. Or Ginmo, as my husband yeah. pronounced it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, flashback, we're um, covering Game of Thrones, Season 1, Episode 1. We have gone, like, old school with this. <laughs> yes. yes. There were parts, well, I, I'm sure we're going to all get into it, but there were parts where I'm like, oh, God, this is a little hard to watch at times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the production values have improved. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, definitely. Their budget for almost everything has improved. Too. Oh, yeah. It's gone up, like, 50% or something. Yeah. Wigs, set, cost. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a whole list by the end of it, I'm sure. Um, so- but, I mean, this is the episode that started almost a lot of people's obsession with A Song of Ice and Fire. It's Starting, this start, episode. Start at mine. I, I yeah, was, I went to show viewer first. first. Oh, we got yeah. three show viewers. Oh, me too. First. All of you. Class, guys. We're the underclass. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Chicky. <laughs> okay, so as, as always, I have to give the general blanket spoiler warnings. Um, we might be spoiling season one of Game of Thrones for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what 32 episodes in <laughs> you don't think we'll talk that much about jamie going to doran for the first season <laughs> oh god i don't want to talk about that okay so let's take a trip down memory lane shall we um the opening scene is of rangers and they're heading out through the tunnel to the north side of the wall um they're in a forest um the little dude with bad teeth what's this guy's name what the, either... young, the younger dude? Yeah, Will. Will is the yeah. young guy. I yeah. can't remember the older guy. I know Waymer Royce is the the guy in charge. It's, it's Will killed. Yeah, it's gonna yeah. be Will and Jared. Is it Jared oh right, or Garrett or Garrett? Right? Yeah. 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 Totally. I love you guys. Okay. Um. So what are they doing? Oh, he's crawling on the ground, and he comes up to a scene where there's decapitated and dismembered bodies everywhere. Yeah, it's so funny how it was like in a in a, like a circle with a line through it, like you know, like you'd see like a no smoking sign or something. I never really <laughs> noticed that before. You know, it's so funny. Like Sansa's necklace. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the others yeah. apparently they're big into art. They like to do. They are severed body part art. <laughs> to me, it kind of looked like the female sim- symbol. That's what it kind of looked like to Ooh, me. I can Have see that. Have you ever seen? Um, there's a um. Uh, a site that does though. If Game of Thrones happened entirely on Facebook, have you ever seen this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They haven't done the first season, but I swear every time they have the White Walkers and their dead bodies, they have like the Pinterest page with their like 
you know, corpse <laughs> art or whatever. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> it is. I do like this detail that they added, though. I mean, this is definitely a show invention, but I actually kind of like it. You know, I've got to give the show props for trying to, to flesh out the others a little bit better than, than George ever really does. I know George is leaving it a little bit vague for a reason, but I kind of like that the show is doing this. I think it's important for their medium. Yeah, it was definitely, a, I think, a good definitely a good start to this uh, series too because you did get it was so creepy like i remember when i first watched it i was like what is going on? oh i like this this is creepy and great yeah you know we're knocking the production values but but really like if you look at this as just like a brand new tv show like it's amazing what the production really values were you know, i i have a note actually i think they didn't have it scored probably because they couldn't afford to do all that scoring but yeah. that scene starts out, and it was a really effective choice. There is no score. So it's just these guys in the middle of the woods with the snow and the ice, and that silence gets kind of creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a good, I mean, maybe it was a financial choice, but it it really set the scene. Yeah. And you can totally tell, like, with the the way that the the White Walkers look in season one, that their project, production about their production went up you know considerably to show them more in detail in the further yeah they're really shadowed out but like i like them shadowed out like that i just really see the the glowing eyes and they're just in shadow and you you hear like their their joints and stuff clicking and stuff and it's creepy well that's like yeah the icy noise right yeah Yeah. i love the ice i don't i don't remember hearing that as much later on maybe it's because there was so much more visual you're not paying as much attention to the sound i don't know but I really like that in this app. That's yeah. an old trick, though, with the movies. It's like if you can't afford to show it, like oh, yeah. make it sound creepy. And oh yeah, it worked. Yeah, and show the reactions, creepy. which is exactly yeah. what they did. Yeah, yeah, it's that whole Jaws effect, right? Like you don't yeah. see the damn shark because <laughs> it leads oh, totally. it to your imagination, and yeah. your imagination just runs wild. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, no, they they did the best. The I mean, they did the absolute best that they could with what they had. I mean, it's still amazing to me. There are a lot of movies that could take a lot of notes from the way that you know a Game of Thrones or Game of Thrones has done it since the beginning. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so I should mention that there was a little girl wildling impaled on the tree as well, next to these uh, corpses, dismembered corpses. So um, the Night's Watch Rangers are discussing what the Will saw. And um, Waymar Royce, was it, is not having it. He tells him to get back on his horse and they go back to the scene of uh, of the scene. And the dead are no longer there. They search around. One finds something. I couldn't make out what he was holding. Could you guys... I don't know if it was like guts yeah, no, that's so funny that you say that because I was really trying to pay attention the second time. I'm like, what is that? Is it clothing or is it like an internal organ? I couldn't tell at all. I could look gross. I, I, I think it was, it was supposed sort of... to be an organ, but I really yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't make it out either. Anyway, as he's holding it, we see, like you said, the shadowy tall figure with shining blue eyes coming up behind him. And uh, you hear kind of like a sword noise and a squish, and then you hear some screams. Um, Will um, sees their horses are running away, and uh, then he turns, and the wildling girl, who he saw impaled, is now there, also with these glowing eyes. He books it. He's being chased. As you described, there's these ice-clicking kind of noises. He and the guy that was uh, holding the thing that I couldn't identify. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett. I'm pretty sure it's Garrett. Garrett. They yeah. meet up, and... Um, there are two others behind him, and uh, Garrett gets decapitated, and then his head is kind of tossed um, towards Will. 
And so that kind of reads like a message. It seems, uh, wouldn't you say, like he's trying to send a message to him? Yeah, well, it's interesting. You know, in the book, it's not Will who survives. Will dies. The POV of the prologue dies, and it's actually Garrett who survives, the older guy, and, and runs south, which is poignant in the book because he's this older, very seasoned member of the, the Night's Watch, whereas Will is fairly young, and, and Waymer Royce is younger than either of them. The guy who's in charge, of course, because huh. he's nobility, um, is, I think, like a teenager or something crazy. Yeah, but, and you know, he's they, got the new outfit or whatever in the books. Yeah, yeah, he he has like, uh, yeah, he's outfitted as a lord son, which he is. And yeah, it's interesting because Garrett is older and very seasoned, and yet he's so terrified that he runs away. He doesn't even go back and warn them at Castle Black. He just takes off for the south. <laughs> I probably would have too. Yeah. <laughs> <fuck or somebody. laughs> but I like it in the show because I think it's a little more poignant that it's a younger guy who you see Ned behead. I think yeah. it's a more effective thing visually. Yeah, I mean, you can be a little more understanding with him being the scaredy cat. I mean, like, I can't even say scaredy cat. Like, this, le- this oh, is a good reason for... This is legit. Yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say, like, if I saw anything right. like that, I, yeah, I'd be shitting myself and running like hell. That's I wouldn't right. be worried about <laughs> honor or any of that. <laughs> so, after this scene, it fades to black and then cue the best opening ever. <laughs> Next to the original Dallas. I really like the... <laughs> That? It's, it's Dallas and Game of Thrones. Those are your yeah, top two. I was gonna go with the original Hawaii Five O, but okay. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good one. Does anyone have any others they want to throw in there before we move on? No. <laughs> it's a great opening, though. So. All my best openings are comedies, and they really don't apply here. So. Now I'm gonna have the scene of Dallas in my head. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm not going to. Don't worry. Okay, so uh, after the opening, it's um, poor Will, and uh, it's obvious he's south now because everything's green, um, and he's being run down by some Stark men, you can tell, because they have a wolf banner. And then I kind of forgot about this. They actually did these, like, titles, um, so it would, like, come up, and it said Winterfell, like an overlay. I totally did that at one point. Um, So inside Winterfell, you're seeing some... uh, archery practice with the Stark boys. John is oh, yeah. Ran and they're being watched over by Ned and Catelyn. Yeah. Everyone's smiling and laughing. Yes. It's just <laughs> whenever I re rewatched this yesterday, it was just to me it was very bittersweet because you're actually seeing the Starks, they're all together in the castle in Winterfell. It's just a normal day and everyone's happy. And you see the kids they're all they all look so young i mean we've watched them grow oh yeah and it's like you see you, you see them you know Brian, he's just running around he's running around on Chekhov's legs <laughs> <laughs> and you, i'm just like dude you need to listen to your mom like no when she says don't climb don't climb yes. <laughs> i actually have it in all caps somewhere in my notes too listen to your man yeah and they're all where they belong. They are all in a world. They all understand that world. They're able to function in it, and it's not toxic to them, and that's all going to change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. damn it. I hate you guys. Mm. You hate me. It's not my problem. <laughs> no, it's your fault. You pointed it out. It's all on you. Yeah, that's just bummed out. That is your fault. I'm going to have no... <laughs> It's not either of your faults. Let's move on. Okay, so Sansa and Arya are inside. They're doing some needlework. 
um, Arya is getting distracted by the sounds of the boys that are having fun outside with the archery practice. I thought it was really well done. Just in this little segment, you kind of already get a sense of how very different these two sisters are. Mm-hmm. Like Sansa's getting complimented. She's doing very beautiful work. And then, you know, Arya's totally not interested. I don't know if yeah. she's not interested. You know, it's interesting that's come up. I've seen that come up before with people saying she's not into those things. She's not good at those things. There's a difference. I'm not interested in things I'm not good at. (laughs) No, but I mean, like, you know, I would like to do certain things. Like, I would love to be able to paint. I can't paint. That doesn't mean I don't want to. It just means I can't. And I, you know, she's sort of, she's not good at the feminine stuff. She's good at the archery. She's good Mm -hmm. at showing up a brother. I guess so. I don't know. Either way, it feels like she doesn't want to do it either. Maybe because she isn't good, yeah. but yeah. You no, it was it was really great. This whole this whole intro bit at Winterfell was amazing how well they so quickly um mm-hmm. kind of slotted everybody into their roles. I, I remember thinking that as I was watching it that wow, they really are doing a pretty good job of setting this up. You kinda got a really good feeling for everybody right off the bat. Yeah. And you could really sense the family between them, like they're a really close family. Um, oh yeah, and they're they very even, different they even, from each other. Yeah, they even yeah. caught like the Catelyn John tension and Really well and fairly subtly. I mean, like, they, you know, they lose some of the subtlety later on. But, I, you know, this first episode is actually really amazing that way, that they just kind of, they they did a lot of exposition without really obviously doing a lot of exposition, which is right. tough in a pilot, especially a pilot that's as laden with a backstory as yeah. this thing is. On the first watch, you're definitely not thinking, oh, this is a lot of exposition. I mean, like, now that I watched it again, it, it feels like a lot of exposition, but... Yeah. It felt very. I remember being really confused when she was like glaring at Jon Snow. I'm like, why is she glaring at <laughs> Kit? <laughs> and it's it's very subtle how they did it. Like Jon tells, yeah. I think he tells Bran something like about father will notice or whatever. But then he when he f- talks about Cat, he doesn't. He your you know, mother. Your mother. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so anyway, Arya sneaks out of her needle work and um, she gets a bullseye as Bran's been struggling to do. And then the other uh, laugh is uh, Bran chases her away. And then in this moment, you kind of just instantly fall in love with Arya, don't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, so who's the funny bearded dude? Is that Car Stark? Yeah, I think. So. Oh no, no, that's uh, that's uh, Roderick Castle. Okay. The guy with the weird beard. One of the guys with the C name. <laughs> That's, Who that, takes his yeah. hair and makes a ponytail under his chin with it? That guy? Yeah, that's Robert Castle. <laughs> Funny bearded dude. And Theon, <laughs> bring news to Ned of um, the deserter. Ned tells him to bring the boys and Bran. Catelyn objects to this and he says winter is coming. There's an eye exchange between John and Catelyn, as you mentioned, and you can already tell she don't like him. <laughs> the deserter is brought before Ned. Um, he saw White Walkers. Um, Ned asks for his sword. Um, Ned uh, takes out, well, it's ice, and uh, gives his judgment. John tells Bran not to look away. Will the deserter loses his head? You know, I love this. I love that they actually did all of this. They didn't have to do the prologue. They didn't have to do this thing. And you know, George does it, but it's it's so much. It feels so much more subtle in the books. I think it's it's a it's a little it's got a little more weight when you watch it visually, but. 
you know, this prologue is very obviously setting it up to tell you who the actual enemy in A Song of Ice and Fire is and that mm. everything else that's about to go down is just a distraction. Right. But it's really great visually and to see this. And I think it was one of the better things that they did in the adaptation, that they did the full prologue and then they showed Will's head getting it cut off. I think it was a good choice to make it Will. This was actually really great. And this scene is so good. And it tells oh. us who Ned is. Yeah, exactly. I and love how Ned gets so quiet. He's do it himself. He's a hands-on yeah. guy. He's a genuine article. He's yeah, like, he gets so quiet as he's passing his sentence. You, you can just tell the reluctance. And he doesn't he doesn't enjoy doing it either. So you could tell that, you know, he's just doing it for honor or his duties. Yeah, it's his job. Yeah. God, I love Sean Bean. God, yeah. Yeah. I believe you might have tweeted, I've got a good feeling about this Ned guy. <laughs> I stole that from you. I know you I did. did. <laughs> it's a good line, good line. Anyway, so it's after... a good line. You're complimenting yourself. Good job, Lot. <laughs> after it's done, Ned gives Brand some fatherly advice about decapitating. <laughs> he calls uh, the deserter mad when Brand asks about the White Walkers and if they're real, and he says they haven't been seen for thousands of years. How cute is Isaac Hempstead right at this point? He mm-hmm. is so adorable. I'd forgotten how cute all these kids were when they were so tiny. They're still cute, yeah, give but give him that oh. horrible wig that's like made out of like my hairstyle. Yeah, before now. Horrible now. Aww. He's, 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 he's cute off screen. I mean, when he's when he's not in oh, that got wig, he's still now. adorable now. But yeah, well, he in a different so kind of cuter, more adult way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he was such an adorable little kid. Yeah, he was. So on the way back, um, they come across a dead deer, and it's uh, lying on the road. Yeah, it's been in a fight with a dire wolf, and Ed pulls an uh, antler out of its side. <clears throat> um, they say that they're not usually this, uh, they're never south of the wall. Ned orders a quick um, death for the puppies that they find, and uh, Theon is like jumps on it right away. He's like, on it. <laughs> Rob and Bran both object. Uh, John says that there are five pups, one for each of the Stark children. John's not a Stark, but he does get a puppy when they find the little white runt of the litter. Can I just say that I, now I've seen this episode multiple times, you know, since it aired, but I think it took me like three or four before I went, oh, dead stag, Baratheon, you know? <laughs> That's quick that way. It's a little heavy handed of George, but uh, you know, it's, I feel like visually it's almost more subtle than it was when it was written. Yeah. I don't know why that is. Yeah. So uh, the next scene is on King's Landing. We had another little overlay and we see... Um... Yeah, like just an artwork overlay. It's kind of, it's kind of a cringer. Did anyone else just kind of go, oh, yeah. just kind of that? I was thinking, gosh, the Tarth castle looks better than that. Does. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's just this painting of the Red Keep in the distance of King's yeah. Landing. And you're like, oh. Uh, bells are ringing. Um, silent sisters are... At the funeral. I don't know if you call it the funeral. It looks like it's after wake. the funeral. Wait. It's yeah, like post-funeral of John Aaron or Wake or whatever. Anyway, he's dead in the Red Keep. And sure is dead. It's in the he's throne got room. Those googly eye stones on his <laughs> It's, uh, again, pre-budget because um, they, they normally wouldn't have had a funeral, I don't think, in the throne room, right? It would have been in the sept. Yeah, no, I'm sure this was just a, a a set that they knew they were going to have to build, so they used it. Yeah, so Sep's not built yet, the great Sep. Uh, Cersei is watching when she is joined by Jamie Lannister. 
He tells mighty her hunky. she... I'm sorry? Looking mighty hunky. Yeah, he's a slice, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can get to that. <laughs> he tells her um, she worries too much. Um, she's worried about what John Aaron may have told Robert. Jamie tells her both their heads would be on stakes if Robert knew. Cersei tells him he should be hand. Jamie replies, an honor I could do without. Their day is too long, their lives too short. So, you, you didn't sound... Which is interesting. Like- I think it's like they pull this from the conversation that Bran overhears. Yeah. Um, because this is something that they kind of discuss then. I don't know if exactly the same way, but... Um, I, I liked this the first time that I saw it, because I was like, you know, the, the adaptation has an opportunity to do something that George didn't do. Mm. And that is to make you care earlier about characters who will be more significant as POVs later. And it's a problem that he's had with book fans, like, say, you know, with Feast and Dance, where he introduces a lot of Ironborn and Dornish. Yeah, um, it, it was an opportunity the show had to kind of subvert that. And they, they did that, definitely. I mean, you know, making Jamie and Cersei more prominent in this first episode was, I think, a really good move. But obviously, I'm fans of them, so, you know. No, I think that's accurate. I mean, I was a show watcher. I didn't know who any of these people were. All I was like, why are all these brothers constantly perving on their sisters? But, um, <laughs> but I mean, it established who they were, and it, it. I think it was a smart move. And as someone who did become a book reader before, you know, afterwards, I, I you know, I went ahead. And I'm going. I don't know who these characters are. I don't care about the Greyjoys. So I, <laughs> I think this was a good move on their part. Yeah, I think too. It's it really. Uh, for like a show viewer the first time it really set up the suspicion that these two might have been up to something and behind this like they really trailed you along on this um you know the Lannisters are obviously guilty they're the villains they did Mm. a good job of that I think yeah they did do a good job just just like the book does of kind of leading you to think that they're behind some things yeah it, it it was pretty well done yeah I wish they'd been able to keep this up to kind of bring people in earlier. One of my one of my biggest kind of uh, things is I really wish they'd somehow brought Dragonstone into the first season because they could have. They're just not limited by POV the way that the books are. And I think that would have been a right. really effective thing, but probably a budget buster. So yeah, yeah, I don't think that could have yeah. happened at that point. So uh, back at Winterfell, um, a raven has arrived, and Catelyn finds Ned at the Weirwood Tree. Um, he's cleaning ice. His uh, great sword. She tells Ned the news of John Aaron. His son and wife are fine. So he knows John Aaron's dead now. The king rides for Winterfell with the queen. Uh, Ned <clears throat> knows what he wants. Um, Catelyn tells him he can always say no. So he, they both know it's going to be to ask him to be the hand. The castle is being, well, the next scene, the castle is being prepped. for. You know, Lot, if I could back you up, that's funny. That was a really controversial adaptation choice. The fact that they had Catelyn switch roles there um, and um, ask Ned not to go south. Whereas in the books, it's very much the opposite of that. She's encouraging him to go south. You know, in retrospect with what they did with Catelyn, I, I... I kind of see where they were going. It's funny, you know, we we probably could have taken some clues from the first season that they, they were going to try to make her more a traditional mother role, um, which, Rather of course, she is. Political. But, yeah, you know, she's very much a political mind. She was raised in the South and in the Riverlands, which are very is in a very delicate position and is naturally, you know, someplace that you'd be trained to be more political. And 
Yeah. Not that Catelyn's an amazing political mind, but yeah, they kind of took away some of her political acumen in the and show. But. Isn't she much more enthusiastic about Sansa marrying Joffrey in the book? Yeah, she knows it's a good alliance. I mean, you know, before they meet Joffrey, you can see why. They know Robert, well, no, so I'm sure they assume Joffrey's April. okay. Yeah, I mean, he's close in age to Sansa and good-looking kid, you know, I mean, why... You know, as as they make marriages in Westeros, it it wasn't a, it wouldn't have been a bad match. It would have been like the best match. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, been. he looks good on paper, and until you've spent more than five minutes with him, he seems fine. <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> hell so you no! Know. Get my daughter out of this. <laughs> so, um, the next uh, scene is the castle being prepped. Um, Catelyn's kind of trying to get everything in order for the royal visit. Um, they have this little uh, discussion um, between Catelyn and Lewin about Tyrion needing extra candles in his room because she hears he reads all night. And uh, Lewin says, I'm told he drinks all night. <laughs> and she says, how much could he drink a man of his stature? And I thought that was a nice sum, sum up of uh, Tyrion. <laughs> they need eight barrels of ale for Tyrion. <laughs> <laughs> and a hell of a lot of candles. Because <laughs> he's going to read and booze all night long. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, uh, the boys are getting ready. Oh, yeah, this scene. <laughs> oh, God, this scene. <laughs> All I, I know is that when I saw that... Oh, wait, I'm going to shut up and let you do your thing. Sorry. <laughs> what? What's our thing? Oh, you got to tell us. No, come on, dude. Go, no, no. Go. Again, I'm watching the show because these people at work have told me I would love it. And I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good. I'm like, I can't tell these three guys apart. Oh, my, aren't they pretty? You know? Oh, oh. well, they are brothers. No. Only two of them. Well, and then Theon. And they're half brothers, and Theon doesn't, isn't related to anybody. It was a good scene. They're gossiping about the royal guests. I think who even was paying attention to what they were talking about. <laughs> So uh, the next scene uh, is Bran, and he's uh, at the top of the castle watching the royal procession as it's coming on down the road. Yeah, it's like Bran Assassin's Creed Winterfell. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfect. <laughs> so when he jumps, is not very great up oh. there. You see, like oh, it's like terrible. a green screen and everything. With yeah, that's actually one of the worst moments it, of this it is. episode. It yeah. really is. <laughs> Although at the time, I, I'm probably, I'm guessing it wasn't as bad. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. I don't remember, I remember thinking how great the production value was at first, so I shouldn't be saying it. It's just compared to how it is now, mm-hmm. yeah, it looks right. a little rough. Yeah, 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 yeah I didn't even notice it until, go ahead. It hasn't aged well. <laughs> so, when he jumps off the castle, he gets uh, chastised by Catelyn for climbing. And this is where my note says, listen to your mother, Bran. Yeah. <laughs> um, the royal procession enters. Um, we see Lannister banners. We see the Hound, Joffrey. And Sansa's kind of digging on Joffrey. Rob is not a fan of this. <laughs> and they all bow for King Robert. And my first thought was like, wow, he's so fat. And it's funny because the first words out of... Uh, uh, Robert's mouth is to Ned, you got fat. <laughs> and they laugh, and they hug, and it's a total bromance. 
I love this intro scene. Like it's, it's, they really did give a lot of nods to the book readers with this. I mean, they do such a long shot of Sander his, as he's coming up in his hound helmet, which we pretty much don't see after this episode, I think. But yeah, they, they really did like give you the little, you know, shots of everybody as they introduced them. It reminded me of watching Lord of the Rings, the way they would stop and pause for a moment with camera on each character as they introduced them because they knew that the fans would be waiting to see these people. Yeah, definitely. I really like the and, and there's a practicality there too. You have a cast that's what, 20, 30 people. You've got to, yeah, you yeah. got to see your audience into who these people are. Yeah. What yeah. were you going to say, Ian? I just really love the casting. I mean, Mark Addy is Bobby B, Robert, Robert Baratheon. Bobby B. I thought it was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you know, casting has always been, I should say casting and, 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 you know, as much as we're knocking it right now, but their set design has always been amazing. But, those are the greatest strengths, I think, of the show. But it's funny because, you know, this what you're seeing here is actually the second shot pilot that they did for this. Right. They actually did one before right. this and recast a couple of the key roles. They well, recast Catelyn and Daenerys. She was supposed to be played by Jennifer Ailey, who I loved in uh, Pride too. and Prejudice. And yeah. she would have made an interesting Catelyn and probably a little more of a... I don't know. I think it would have been a little more political... Yeah, yeah, a little sharper, I think. Yeah. yeah. I would love to see some of the outtakes from that original pilot of, of her, particularly of Jennifer Ely as Catelyn. I think it must have been just a completely different take on the character. I know, I've heard rumors. Oh, God, this is bad because I can't back any of this up. I, don't <laughs> I think years, I know. Well, I've said that you're unsure, so that's okay. okay. I've heard rumors that they there were a couple of issues that, yes, that her take on the character wasn't wasn't something that they were a fan of, but also that she didn't have great chemistry with some people. And I don't remember if that was Sean Bean or who. Well, it doesn't matter if she doesn't like him. He's dead anyway after the season one. Oh, God. You're supposed to believe that they're in love, though. Well, and I also think she had a young kid at the time, and I think she wasn't really keen on having to, you know, be uprooted for... It, it may have been a mutual decision. Yeah. Yeah, it, it may be. Even knows. And I've never, never heard, heard what the situation that. was with Daenerys. I don't know why they recast her. I would like to I know. Can't remember that the actress? actress. You can't. Uh, you know, you know. would know. You would know her face. She's. 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 I think she's English. She's. She's British based, and and you would know her if you saw her. I, I don't know what happened there. Oh, Samson Merchant. Yeah. 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 That's it. The Tudors. Who is she in the Tudors? I'm Google. One of Henry's wives. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so that's a good bet. That's all we just. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, did she play Catherine Howard? She was that childlike one or the really pretty one. Anyway, we're, we're getting sidetracked. Yes, That's she my played fault. Catherine Howard. Okay. Twice. All right. So I'm going to be looking that up later. All right. <laughs> so where did I leave off? Okay. Bromance. Um, then we see Cersei emerge from her carriage. Rob meets the uh, Robert meets the Stark children. Oh, but Rickon, I noticed. Poor Rickon, he's always left out. <laughs> Arya wants to know where the imp, imp is. Um, Sansa tells her to shut up. Jamie shakes his hair out of his motorcycle helmet. I mean, his helmet. <laughs> yes, this right here is the shot that everybody compares to the Prince Charming from Shrek that I'm so oh. sick of and tired of hearing about. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, his hair is pretty luscious. This fucking fr- Prince Charming from Shrek. I wish they had never put this scene in just for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
I I also thought Lena does a really great job and in this scene yeah. when she's showing how much she could just see it on her face like I she just hates this place she does not want to be here. Yeah, in that coach thing for a month, God knows how horrible that would be in real life to be you know jostled about. Husband's probably screwing everything you know with. Drunk. Yeah, Lena's Lena's amazing. She has such gravitas on the scene, which is impressive considering who she's on screen with a lot of the time. I mean, you know, she just kind of holds almost every shot that she's in, and and you know, yeah, I mean, like, is is she book Cersei? No, but like the, her take on Cersei is so amazing. It's just kind of like you just kind of forget about it and go yeah. with it. She's amazing in this. I totally feel the same way. Her hair in this season, though. <laughs> oh, God. oh God, it's so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Like we were talking about the budget, um, they must have upped their budget on hairdressers because everyone's hair. Brian's isn't that bad this season. This season. I think it's just real hair. That's why. You know, <laughs> but man, okay. those piled up braided business that they were doing, whatever it was, that just pile on I the head, with all the braids. Didn't know where they were drawing inspiration from because that was just butt ugly. Yeah. <laughs> Although I didn't mind Tyrion's hair in this season, though. It was more blonde. It was blonde. <laughs> See, I thought it made him look really funny. Like, I didn't even recognize him at first when I rewatched it. I was like, oh my god, that's Tyrion. <laughs> He's definitely not in that. Well, like, as the season's definitely more Lana the blonde. Yeah, so. as the season's progressed, though, his hair gets darker to where he's almost like a, I don't yeah. know, a strawberry blonde now. <laughs> okay, so if we don't have anything else to say about Tyrion's hair, we're going to jump on, jump off to uh, King Robert, and uh, he immediately wants to visit the crypt and pay his respects. And uh, Cersei, you know, says, oh, the dead can wait, and he totally just brushes her off. So they're in the crypt, and uh, Rob and Ned speak of John Aaron, and right away he kind of just asks Ned to come to King's Landing and be his hand. Um, he also proposes that they join their houses, uh, Sansa to Joffrey. So, so yeah. I gotta ask, did you guys get uh, like, I, like what was your sense when you watched this? I, this was the one thing I remember thinking: Are people gonna have any idea what this backstory is with Rhaegar and Lyanna? I mean. They no. do hit it, and it's like, I felt like, since I knew, I completely got it, but I always wondered about a show watcher if, if you would get it. I was it. confused. I did a lot of, and I learned very quickly not to go to the wikis, and I had to do a lot <laughs> of, like, going to people and saying, okay, what was that all about? Because I, I don't understand. So, it, I mean, I got that it was his dead girlfriend. I got that much. Yeah, that's what I got. And that was pretty much, and that he did not have a good marriage with his wife. That was abundantly clear. Yep. Um, but other than that, I was like, I don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah, I remember thinking yeah. it's just not even clear that, that she was betrothed to Robert. So, like, how are you even going to have an idea what goes on? I can't remember. Maybe they cover this later in the I season. Think I, I definitely got the sense that he was super in love with her. and Yeah. Some, there was a romance or something had happened. Because there was that I mean, line about, like, or am I imagining the line where um, he he thought she should have been buried out in the sunshine or something like that and yeah. not in this cold, dark place. So, I mean, I got the sense he cared about her. I was just like, the Targaryen stuff just went right over my head. Yeah, yeah. I was really totally. confused when he kept saying, like, I kill him in my dreams every single night. And I'm like, who are you talking about? Like, who's this <laughs> guy you are killing? Yeah. <laughs> but no, I got the sense that she was, that he, like, was in love with Ned's sister I didn't know how she was related to the Targaryen storyline in any Yeah, there's way. just so many names, and I can remember being just 
a show watcher and just it was hard to keep up with everybody's names and just yes. getting people mixed yeah. up. And it really think, helped to actually read the books just to fill in gaps and just right. to know who was who. Well, I, I did reading the books help. <laughs> what? Girl? I had nicknames for people. Like, I called Littlefinger <laughs> Tommy Carsetti for the longest time. Because <laughs> I was talking about the hell it was. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, this is how I got through it because I was like, and I'd say to someone and they'd be like, I don't know who um tommy carcidius <laughs> richard fielding you know for um jorah and i'm like i don't know you know <laughs> so but what i did right after this episode was just look up all the family trees and print them out and made like a little book and a study guide and i i had to use it to like teach my mom the family trees like okay oh so God. that's hardcore from day one <laughs> yeah that's too much it damn me a while to get to that point yeah yeah <laughs> Okay, so uh, the next bit is uh, Jamie, and he's looking for Tyrion, and uh, he finds him whoring. He bursts in on his fun. <laughs> um, so, so, hey, this goes back to one of the last chapters we read where he bursts in. I always thought this was a send-up of his breaking into uh, Jonas Bracken's Bracken. uh, little fuck <laughs> session of Filthy. Yeah. <laughs> so he bursts in on the fun um, and tells Tyrion that Cersei expects them both for dinner. And one of my favorite lines is uttered here where he says, don't leave me alone with these people. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that line. And uh, Tyrion doesn't seem that interested. So uh, Jamie's brought three more whores in to help speed up this process. So that's uh, that's Tyrion's introduction to Game of Thrones. And Roz's. And Roz's. Yes. Yes. Who was a, a yeah. controversial character at the time. I know she gets a lot of flack, but I like her. What was the controversy with her? I think that they kept writing her part larger and larger as opposed to some of the other characters whose names I can't pronounce, but like that woman who was um, the one who liked to read in the brothel. I mean, like Ch- she kept Ch- getting Chitaya and Aliyaya, I think. Yes. Chitaya and yeah, they, people were upset that they, partly because Chitaya and Aliyaya, I can't remember if Chitaya is from the Summer Islands or if it's just that Aliyaya's father was from the summer islands but definitely they were people of color and instead they cast very white as me bianco who's great but yeah it, it was it was controversial at the time oh i didn't even know that <clears throat> so um we see again robert is still in the crypt paying his respects to liana's grave um we learn that it's ned's sister what is the significance of the feather he puts in the statue's hand does anyone know someone tell me i have no idea yeah, I, I think no that's idea. a show invention. Okay. It's kind of like Oberyn's torch. I was like, what's the, what's the point of that torch? <laughs> <laughs> it looked good. It was cheaper than finding something more meaningful. Who the hell knows? <laughs> it's like the stones over the eyes. They did it because it looked cool. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So uh, Robert tells Ned uh, in his dream he kills him, meaning Rhaegar, every night. And he says the Targaryens are gone, not all of them. And that's kind of a nice way to introduce uh Danny, who's in Pentos across the narrow sea. God damn it, I forgot how good Harry Lloyd is as Viserys. I he's mean, he's ridiculous. Yeah. He's really good. I yeah. God. And can I just say, I'm going to take this opportunity for someone, I bash Danny all the time. And honestly, by the fifth book, I don't care what happens to her. But I loved her in the first book and the first season. Yeah. She was one of my favorites, actually. I certainly didn't have any ill feelings toward Danny early in the series with the book. I find it 
or I found it kind of interesting uh, rewatching that she seemed um, a lot more meek and skittish, kind of like a young child. And then comparing that to where she is now, like as a show viewer, I never would have guessed that she would turn into this like badass woman badass with all these dragons. dragons. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. I think definitely she seemed more childlike in the, the, the first uh, episode, first season. And maybe that's why I didn't have much of a problem with her then. I, but... yeah. You know, I, I've gone, because I've been mystified as to why I liked her here, whereas I don't like her later. And I, I think for whatever reason, I don't know if someone gave Amelia Clark bad acting advice or something, but I think... <laughs> something went well, around. it's possible, because right now she's very flat. What you see is what you get. There's really very little depth, with a few exceptions. But in this first season, you can see, like, the hints of it. Like, you know, not so much in this first episode, but as the season progresses, you can kind of see where she's going, and I think there's more layers and they're missing later on, and I don't understand that. You know so. what I'll throw out that I, I kind of came away from this episode with as far as Amelia Clark? Um, I think she talks less. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I, that might She help. does. Yeah, I, I don't know. I hate to just baldly say that, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan of... She, she has something she does really well as an actor, and I'm sure she's great on stage, but yeah, um, for film, I don't know. There's something about her that just doesn't work very well for me. Yeah, I think we're all winning. Or maybe she's just better playing the more like, I'm a quiet girl who is skittish and uh, let people walk all over me versus the later where she has to be more dominating and maybe she's just better at the other type of character. Clearly. Maybe. <laughs> so uh, anyway, we see uh, Viserys come in and then there's some boobs and gross touching by Viserys. Yes. Never uh, enough incest, right? Am yeah. I right? Uh, <laughs> no, because this, this is when I phoned my, the woman who told me about the show going, okay, there have been two brothers who are feeling up their sisters. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> that is so valid. It's everybody's reaction to the show. <laughs> so uh, Danny gets into her bath, and it's too hot, but hot tubs can't harm the mother of dragons. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Illyrio and Viserys greet uh, the Dothraki, including Khal Drogo. Viserys tells Danny she will be his queen. And I hope they did such a good job of, like, automatically making you worried for this poor young girl. Because, you know, the, oh, the description God, yeah. of Drogo is, like, he's the finest killer. He's a savage. And, you know, he looks really mean. I mean, he's impressive. You're worried, you're worried in the books, too. I mean, you know, really, Danny in, in A Game of Thrones is, is a fairly sympathetic character. I never cared much about her, but... I didn't, yeah. like, dislike her or, or, like, dread coming to her chapters the way that I've come to later on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on there. <laughs> like, right there with right. you. So, um, Danny and Cal Drogo make eye contact, and then he doesn't say anything, and they just ride away. And this part was kind of funny. Viserys is kind of, like, whiny, and he has this freak out where he's like, where's he going? Uh, wait, wait. <laughs> so, Harry Lloyd, man, that guy was good. Who he, knew how he good was he was? Really I wasn't really good. noticing the first season, but man. <laughs> so Illyria tells Viserys that if Drogo didn't like Danny, they would have known it. He'll get his <laughs> army, and Kel Drogo will get his queen. Uh, Danny objects. She doesn't want to marry him. Viserys tells her he would let all 40,000 of Drogo's men and his horses fuck her if it means getting the throne back. So, yeah. mm. he's an asshole. Right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, is how he says it too. He's like stroking her cheek, yeah. you know, giving her a kiss on the forehead as he's like of saying. I want to go home. Amazing. I totally sympathize, but <laughs> yeah. I'm going to sell you like beast property. Such a total psychopath. Yeah, it's, it's really gross, but yeah, it is perfect, perfectly gross. So uh, next scene is of Sansa and Catelyn, and they're having a little bit of a girl talk. <laughs> She's eager to marry Joffrey and begs Catelyn to make Ned accept Robert's offer. She wants to be queen one day. And I don't know, I, I thought this might be a perfect time to discuss some of the early Sansa hate that happens here. Like, in my mind, Sansa's always been kind of the perfect ideal girl for this world that she's living in. Like, to well, be able to... Yes. Go ahead. I think they do, I think Martin and I think they do a very good job here of making her being, yeah, she's... She's the popular girl. She's the perfect girl. She fits this world. And he's, I mean, this is a, this is what she's been bred to do, what she's been trained to do, you know? And I think we find it much easier to sympathize with someone like Arya. Mm -hmm. She's easier to like than Sansa. And I think for a lot of people that Disney princess kind of thing is just a little too, I don't know. Well, and, and Sansa's written as a black sheep. I mean, she's yeah. definitely the outlier in her family, and that's how she is written to be. So, you know, if, yes. if you didn't like Sansa at first, I'm always like, that's fine. It's like you have to give people permission not to be a fan of Sansa to begin with. It's like, no, that's fine. You know, I, she she is written to be kind of on the outside. And in fact, you know, like as yeah. we'll see later in the season, she loses her wolf. She loses some of her starkness. And it's only later as, as she begins to come into her own that you kind of really start to sympathize with her. And then you realize how terrible she's had it the whole time. But she is written this way. And actually, I think they did a pretty clever job with the show of, of managing to encompass how you do feel reading about Sansa through a Game of Thrones and, and into Clash and, and, and showing, you know, how you do begin to just completely sympathize and go, oh, no, wait, poor Sansa. It's just this kid who's been thrown into this mess. But, you know, if, if you don't like Sansa at first, that's fine. You're not supposed to. You're, you're act, she's actually written so that you won't. And she's a preteen girl. I mean, yes, it's yes, a medieval world, but they have hormones just the same as we would have. And she's the bratty, you know, I mean, this is, so it's, she's not some nice, perfect little person. I mean, she's a bratty yeah. teenager who mouths off to her mother. And this, is the, yeah. this is the great yes. thing about A Song of Ice and Fire, is there are reasons to love and hate every single POV character. You know, there, yes. there are reasons to just get right behind them and root for them. And there are reasons to absolutely just be like, oh, I never want to hear from them again. And it's true of every single character, except for maybe Brienne. I can't understand how people can hate Brienne. But yeah. other than that, I think everybody has these little gray patches. And Sansa has those. But at the same time, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's like she's just this kid thrown into this mess. I mean, you know, but you, you will get there. I think most show watchers eventually get there, too. Yeah, it's just she. It just came across as really realistic to me. Her character, mm -hmm. she's just like a really realistic. What a preteen would say and do. A preteen girl. Yeah. I mean, the average girl will want to marry the prince and become a queen and beg their parents, despite all reality and logic behind it. You know, they're just thinking about themselves. Yeah. Well, and all of the Stark kids are really sheltered. Even Arya. Um, you know, they, they've had it really easy and their parents have sheltered them from a lot of the actual realities of the world, the political realities and just the day-to-day -day realities. And, and that is true for no one more than Sansa. And they're all about to get a huge wake-up call. Yeah. But well, yeah, I, to begin with, th this is I, what they are. I think there's also that whole, there's like, 
her mother tells her, I'm not going to, you know, if your father takes this position, I'm not going to see him for years. You're not going to see your family for years. And, you know, there's a part of you that intellectually gets that, but it's not like sinking in. Yeah. That this is yeah. not going to, and that's reality. That's how people think. You don't really hit it until you're like, oh, wait, this is what they were talking about. And especially teenagers who don't yeah. understand consequences as well. Teenagers yeah. are yeah. very egocentric. Like, they only right. think about themselves. They don't think about, you know. And the moment. They they can't think right. about that well. <laughs> They're impulsive. <laughs> so, um, we're going to go on to the party. Uh, King Robert is having a blast. He's drinking. He's making out. He's having a good time. Jon Snow is not. He's on the outside <laughs> whacking his sword yeah. around in a literal <laughs> sword, by the way. <laughs> He's not allowed at the party. Um, Catelyn has kind of told him, you know, well, it is implied that she doesn't want the bastard in at the, the party of the king. Uncle Benjen runs in, rides in with his, on his horse and he tells John he's welcome to take the black. John wants to go with him right then and there, but, you know, Benjen tells him he'll, he tries to talk him out of it. You know, he's got, he's young, he's got a lot to live for. I don't know this guy's name, but I forgot how hot the Benjamin actor was. Yeah. I yeah. find him very attractive. <laughs> I like him too. Listen, yeah, he's very nice. And you know, I was—I thought he was going to be a way more prominent character than he was. He still so might just be. like the books. <laughs> <laughs> he still well, might be. <laughs> well, he might be undead, but yeah. But, but John's another one who doesn't get it. I mean, he's ready to jump—you know, run away or well, not run away, but go away and sign up for the Night's Watch without a real clear sense of what it is he's giving up. Just like Sansa doesn't really mm-hmm. get that by going to King's Landing, she's going to mm-hmm. be separated. Exactly. And like Arya, who who feels like she's a tomboy and she feels like an outsider, but she doesn't have a clue what being an actual what outsider is outsiders. until much later. And it's the same with John. John feels like an outsider, but he doesn't have a fucking clue until he gets to the wall. Yeah. Right. So after um, Benjen exits to go to the party, Tyrion emerges and he's drinking from a wineskin. And he says, preparing for a night with the Starks. <laughs> He's getting drunk. Um, we didn't get that Tyrion flip that he does in the book. <laughs> I'm kind of glad about that, actually, but, you know. Isn't I think GRM wants to forget about that. I think George would like to <laughs> erase that if he could. Yeah, he always, that's always one regret he brings up, right? Is that flip. Yep. Uh, calls John a bastard. John gets offended and... Uh, there's a lot of bastard talk here, and it's uh, really hitting home. It, I mean, they seem to really be hitting home that John's a bastard. <laughs> and uh, Tyrion replies that all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes. John looks like such a baby without his beard here, doesn't he? <laughs> so he weird. is a baby. They're all babies this season, God. <laughs> So we go back to the party. Ned and Benjen um, are talking about the man he beheaded and the White Walkers, his appointment to the Hand, and that winter is coming. Catelyn and Cersei are making small talk uh, when Sansa comes to greet the Queen. Again, I just have to say how much I love Lena in this scene. Um, she's just the, so passive-aggressive. She's just the right amount of honey and vinegar, isn't she? <laughs> like that, that sweetness and that, that bitchiness. Oh, it's perfect. Yep. 
we get an exchange between uh, Jamie and Ned as well. Jamie is, uh, you know, trying to make small talk. He's being polite enough until he calls Ned an old man or calls him yeah. too old to compete in tournaments. And- I love the scene. I think this is one of the padding scenes they talk about later on. This season came in a little under on several episodes. HBO kind of had a, a line that they wanted people to hit for a, what's technically an hour-long episode. And a lot of season one of Game of Thrones came in under... 50 minutes or something like that so they went back in and padded out some scenes and i kind of feel like this was one of the ones that they padded in later on i can see that yeah i don't think I the hair really, matches exactly <laughs> i just really like this this scene between ned and jamie because it really establishes that they have a past and they do not like each other something bad happened between them and right. as far as being a show watcher you don't really know what it was but you could tell that they they do not like each other yeah it's a great scene so uh, Arya is tossing food at Sansa, and uh, Sansa gets upset. Rob's laughing. Catelyn's not thrilled, and then Arya is taken to bed. Cat and Ned, um, in the next scene, are in bed, and they're discussing Robert when Maester Lewin interrupts with a letter from Liza Aaron. It's uh, Catelyn tells Ned that she's fled the capital. Her letter says the Lannisters murdered John Aaron. Master Lewin is pushing Ned at this point to take the position of Robert's hand. He's the only one he trusts, and Catelyn argues against it. <laughs> so from one party uh, to another, did you want to respond <laughs> with anything in that? Or can we I- already talked about it. Just that, yeah, this is the opposite of Cat's book stance, but right. I, I get where they were going with it. I think that as far as they wanted to take Catelyn to the negative was, was the fact that she didn't accept Jon Snow. I think that was as far as they wanted to go. I don't yeah. view her political acumen as a negative, but I think for some reason the show did, and so they just didn't want to get into it. Hmm. Okay. So the next is uh, the Dothraki party, and it's the wedding of Danny <laughs> and Cal Drogo. Gifts are being Those brought in. To them. To... Yeah, they, this, is, this is a real party. <laughs> They're like barbecuing hearts. <laughs> I've got like snakes, drumming, sexing, humping, being interrupted, yeah. killing. <laughs> and yeah. uh, but what is the line? A Dothraki wedding without at least three deaths is considered a dull affair. It's a good line. Yeah. yeah. And then we get to see Jorah Mormont of Bear Island for the first time. Finally, yeah. Yeah. He brings in um, books, songs of histories from the Seven Kingdoms as a gift to Danny. God, how hot is Ian Glenn? Nothing like I pictured book Jorah at <laughs> no, all. Nope. At all. <laughs> I am okay with the switch in uh, characterization. Right. <laughs> this is this is partly how they conned me into watching the show. Oh, is it? <laughs> really? I had been watching Downton Abbey, and I loved him as uh, the evil Sir Richard Carlyle or whatever. And Jeez. they're like, "Oh, he's in Game oh, of Thrones." I'm like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it's all because of that. Um, more gifts are brought to her: um, the dragon eggs from the Shadowlands Beyond Ashai from Illyrio. Caldrogo is so fine, like damn. <laughs> That's actually Jason Momoa, right? Like, oh my god. I want to take back my answer from our last podcast. <laughs> this yeah, is and so I much want. charisma. I'd forgotten. I never thought of, of, of Cal Drogo as an attractive figure in the books, but Jason Momoa, damn. Yep. Uh, damn, son. <laughs> mm-hmm. He uh, gives Danny a white horse. Um, Viserys um, 
gives her some parting advice as he takes her away and he's like, make him happy. <laughs> what a dick. Yep. Kel, Droga, and Danny find a nice spot at some rocks by the ocean. Oh god, the scene. This scene is a bit um, controversial as well. This is a controversial scene, yeah. I, you know, I remember at the time, it's so funny, I remember this was, I think, the one thing I went and tried to find my books for and I couldn't find the damn things, but because um, I was like, I don't remember this happening. I knew that it, it got weird sexually between them, but I couldn't remember what exactly happened. This isn't written as 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 what is what it obviously is, which is a rape scene. I mean, it is a rape scene. She's thirteen in the books. Mm-hmm. I think they've aged her up in the show. She's crying. Yeah, she doesn't cry in the book. She's she's into it. But the the legend is, and I don't know that this is true, but that it was written to match the books. Um, this sh- this scene for the show, and that it was in fact Jason Momoa and Amelia Clark who said this doesn't feel right. That right. this is consensual. The, the commentary on this episode, they talk about that that the actors were having a hard time with it, and it's got to be. I mean, I know I just knocked her as an actress, but it, that's that's insane to have to play that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Would have been. Well, particularly as in this episode, she's been she's been afraid of Cal Drogo, and then all of a sudden she flips a switch, and it's one of those things. I think George does pull it off somehow in the books, but I think it's because it's early in Danny's POV, and you just kind of are going along with it. But mm-hmm. in reality, he he does rape her later, so it 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 isn't to me so strange that that they changed it to a rape scene here, and it actually feels more authentic. I, I actually don't argue at all with this change. Okay. Alright, um, so we'll move on to the next bit, and it's Tyrion and Sandor, and they're having a bit of a conversation, very brief. There's a hunting party assembling, uh, Robert, Ned, Rob, Benjen, everybody's getting ready to go hunting. Um, we see Bran, he decides to go for a climb up this tower, and then we hear some lovemaking noises. Oh my god, they're doing it. <laughs> they're brother and sister. That's disgusting. Excuse me. You know what's funny? I, uh, puke. <laughs> one of the one of the stories from the original pilot that I I don't know if I read or or, or watched an interview with um uh David and Dan D and D as we refer to them in fandom the the writers and producers is that when they when they shot the first pilot they showed it to some friends who I think were were writers or industry people and um the writers that were their friends when the episode were, was over were like, well, what was the big deal? Why did the guy have to push the kid out the window? It wasn't clear that, that Jamie and Cersei were brother and sister. Oh. And so that was a big impetus for I, apparently the reshoot of this pilot was the fact that they had to make it clear how taboo this was, this thing that Bran was walking in on. So that even explains the whole line where he saunters in in the beginning in the Red Keep and he's like, as your brother. <laughs> it does, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it does. Well, wasn't Lena Hetty? She was. Wasn't she pregnant? She was. Yeah, she, she was pregnant for the reshoot. Uh huh. So is that yeah. why it was doggy style? Yeah, that that scene you yeah. were just talking about in the Red Keep. You'll notice she's like leaning against uh-huh. like this half wall and stuff. Yeah, they were really clever with how they hit it. Wow. I didn't know that. Very cool. So uh, Cersei sees Bran and uh, she tells Jamie to stop. Jamie grabs Bran at the window, asks him how old he is. He's ten. There is an exchange of looks between Jamie and Cersei, and he says, "The things I do for love." She gives uh, Bran a shove. Bye, Bran. Bye, Bran. Bye, bye. Yeah, you know, whenever he pushes him out, I always, whenever I've read the books, I always figured it was his right hand that pushed Bran out because it would be iron. It would be ironic that he, you know, the hand that pushed Bran out is also the hand that was cut off. I think but Jamie says in that. This one, it, 
I really? think he says that in the books that it was the same hand. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, in the in the show, he pushes out with his left hand. I think they mainly did that for the camera angle. The blocking. Probably. Blocking. Yeah. Blocking. Yeah. Because yeah. the way the window is and where he's standing and where she's staged, right. yeah. I don't know. They should have changed the blocking then because... <laughs> yeah, they should have. And damn it. I think that would have meant, like, rebuilding the set or something, and they probably... I would have made They could have used mirrors or something, you know? <laughs> Get some green screen. Or they could have this. moved Cersei and them to the other side of the tower. This is presuming the other side of the tower was built. This, this sort that of thing is, is true. Like readers got a really <laughs> bad true. name with the production crew. <laughs> this sort of, these sort of complaints. <laughs> so I have to say, though, like this, there was a lot that happened this episode. I thought it was a pretty solid episode to... Oh, it was great. Oh, yeah. They covered a lot yeah. of ground. It was clever how much ground that they covered. I mean, you know, you don't realize it, but the, the direwolf pups are getting older, and a lot of time is passing during this one episode. A lot of time passed during the first season, just like in, in A Game of Thrones, the book, a lot of time passes, as opposed to the rest of A Storm of Ice and Fire, where time just slows to a, a glacial speed at the point <laughs> that we're at now. I, did, I was hooked. You know, I was sitting there, I was a little doubtful, there are all these brothers, well, in my mind, I just conflated it, there were too many people putting on their <laughs> sisters, but by the time it was done, I was like, okay, yeah, okay. I need to watch more. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, totally. It was the push that got me hooked. Yeah. I was like, okay, now I have to see this next episode. <laughs> and I think they did that uh, purposely, I think definitely yeah. was done on purpose. Yeah. It was a, it was good timing, a good cliffhanger. I yeah. felt like it was an excellent adaptation. I remember that when I first watched the first episode, which I was reluctant to do. I didn't watch until after the second season was over because, oh my God. as we all know, adaptations are a mess. Well, I, I can't believe I ever did watch it. I swore I wouldn't watch any more adaptations of things I really liked, but... I did give in and watch it. it and I remember thinking, oh, this is great. <laughs> I'm such a book snob, guys. Oh, God, I'm yeah, such a snob. I get it. Like, when you really love something and then you see what, and I'm not necessarily, although I have issues with how they've adapted things in later seasons, but I've been there where they take something that was precious and you were so excited and then you watch it going, what the hell was that? You know, yeah. I, I do get why people don't want to watch them. It makes yeah. sense. Excellent. Yeah. I hate all the X-Men movies. How about The Watchmen? How about that adaptation? I think I was fresh off that when I finally swore off all adaptations. Aww. Like, now I'm I out. I really liked The Watchmen. Oh, Jesus. I really think it. <laughs> We're going to get in a fight, so let's move on. <laughs> so the last thing we recorded was uh, Sunday night. We did a spouse cast or a hubby okay. cast. Saturday night. Was it Saturday night? Yeah, it okay. feels like it just happened. Yeah, it kind of did. <laughs> so um, we're going to, I think we got some questions and some <laughs> feedback. Lots, actually. I can't believe how popular that was. So let's oh, the. Right. What do you want first? You want the questions or you want the comments? Let's do the comments first and then we will do the questions. Okay. Alrighty. Oh. Who's got the comments? I'm, I'm pulling them up. I've right got now. some comments if you want some. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually have two comments from episode 30 before okay. Spouse Cats, if you want me to go for them. Yeah. But I'm um, Ju- 
Joyous Foley says, when Chicky started talking about Jamie's faith in Brienne, I started getting choked up and I had had tears in my eyes. I thought, God, I'm such a freak. And then YD and Chicky said they were getting teary and I thought, oh, I found my people. Good. Shout I'm not the only one. Lot. YD and I weren't the only ones who were bawling. Yeah. Was this what I was That was laughing? This is whenever I you you and Guile were laughing at us, <laughs> and Eon was gone. She would have been on our yeah. side. I remember re-listening to it, and it still makes me laugh. You're the she devil. Says, Shout out to Lot's creepy intro to the surprise <laughs> blooper. Yes, I'm dying to know what this meaty question is. Sounds dirty, in my opinion. I, I love was, you all. I was trying to be sexy there. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a horror movie or something. <laughs> I don't feel bad at laughing at your grief at all now. No. <laughs> Never did. Gal and Subterfuge says, Love the blooper. Now people can hear how Chicky and YD are huge saps, and Lot and I have no soul. <laughs> all right, so we have the spouse cast comments. So I'll go into those right now. Um, Joker took my picture, says, Are you fucking shitting me? All of your men have such sexy voices. Oh God. And where the fuck do you find such awesome spouses? Like, how? I want one. Great job, guys. You're awesome for doing this. Dude, you can have mine. It's <laughs> like, where did I find my spouse? Um... <laughs> tell you where i found him at a natalie dormer fan club meeting obviously (laughs) i know she had asked me that too she's like oh you lucked out how did you ever find him i'm like found him lucked out are you kidding me that's like 15 years of chiseling a rough slab of stone (laughs) created that man (laughs) all right valor fat Fairy says, I listened to the spouse cast today at work and the guys did a really good job. They were funny and they were all so lovely when they talked about you ladies. I'd keep them around. Alright, and F7 says, kudos to all the spouses in the latest podcast. It was really hilarious and I love hearing their opinions on stuff. And seriously, Chicky, do not let your spouse meet Gwendolyn Christie. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Lot's hot husband somehow made me cry when he answered how he supports what you are doing with his fandom stuff. Also, how awesome! How awesome is it that Eon's husband has also read the books? The advice about improving the podcast was also amazing. Thank you so much, guys. I loved it when when Mister Eon was like, um, "Yeah, your wives are totally going to rope you into reading these stupid things too." That was the best part. <laughs> That'll never happen. My husband reads like, cereal boxes. That's about it. <laughs> no, but thank Mine's God. Fucking... I was going to say thank God for Mr. Eon. Like he knew oh, his shit. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Yeah. See, I was like constantly bugging him to read the books. And now I have to read the Harry Dresden books now. Because that's what he wants me to read. So I'll have. I'm going to have to read those since I made him. So you're like me. You had to do a trade-off because I had to, I have to watch all the Fast and the Furious movies because I made (laughs) him watch Game of Thrones. (laughs) See, I wish we could have had like the sound check for like the the spouse cast because they were making, your hubby was making them say that uh, the trailer for the Fast and the Furious (laughs) 7 was like the best trailer ever. And whenever they, he got Mr. Eon to say it, 
My hubby told him that he had the worst taste in movies ever. <laughs> Sir John's a smart, smart man. <laughs> All right. Oh. And Anonymous says, Lot, your husband is very likable. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. <laughs> okay. I got um, Mickey says, I listened. How do they know chaos is a, a ladder? How, how, how? You all need to wander around the house saying that for the next week. They are pretty hot for Nikolaj. I vote you get Gwendolyn Christie to join in on a drunk cast. And Nikolaj Coster will do in on spouse cast too. Electro Spooseloo. <laughs> when they did the chaos is a ladder bit and like my husband had no fucking clue who little finger was he, like for like 20 minutes he thought it was lock i know <laughs> mine knew mine knew that it was because his stupid accent was so bad but it was so funny how he was trying to describe little finger pushing liza tully out the moon door <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> hmm. she says did anyone but me imagine how theirs would respond to the questions I'm thinking the answer to what do you get for participating would have been her in a Return of the Jedi Princess Leia bikini <laughs> okay. a Star Trek family I'd be in a Deanna <laughs> Troy onesie thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> do you have the wig for that I, I could get one perfect <laughs> uh, we have what a comment from Tam Gilly Tam J. Lee that says that was awesome if you can ever get them to do this again you could do like a newlywed game version where they have to answer the questions in the most likely way you girls would answer the question and we will see who their spouse is that would actually know, be hilarious see who knows their, who their spouse is best that would actually that be would, so funny like that. I'd be up for that and I think Just they a, would too because after yeah, this podcast yeah. went up they all got like huge inflated egos from all of these they did. Yes. <laughs> yes. They did. yes. Some of them unearned, like Mr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just as well done. You must give those hubbies all the cookies and find the best Marjorie Tyrrell dress you can find to wear for them. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Thank you to Tam J. Lee. Uh, Stella says that was hilarious. Very well done, guys. They are so sweet. I love the. I'm going to get into trouble for this, but parts. Ha ha. Marjorie who? <laughs> um, our, our very own comma wrote us an email. She says, I was looking forward to hubby cast so much partially because I, I've come to know Lot, Eon, and Chicky, and over the past year, I've heard bits and pieces about their spouses. I wasn't kind of quite sure what to expect, but... Oh man, you guys delivered. I've listened to this twice and have plans to listen to it a third Aww. time. You're, <laughs> you're all so funny and charming and so very intent on doing a great job. I love that you answered Mary Fuck Kill questions for the guys just as readily <laughs> as you did for the female characters. Oh, they there did, were yeah. so <laughs> many great bits. I thought you had great synergy together. My favorite part, though, was when you all talked about how you supported your partners. I actually got a little teary as Mr. Lot expressed gladness that Lot was expressing her creativity and talent because of her interest in the Game of Thrones fandom. I loved it all, and I hope you get to be guests again. 
Oh, yeah, Lot, Mr. Lot was so beautiful with that. That was just yeah. like lovely. I had like tears. Oh, oh my god! So don't start. So sweet. <laughs> don't um, I did. We have one from Rosehard. I got a couple. I took a couple segments from her email to do some highlights. It still is a little long, but she does the best emails. Yeah, she really she does. does. She really she does. does. She says, you all know I've been waiting for this for a long time, and it was better than I could have ever hoped. It was like a bromance right from the beginning, what? since four husbands <laughs> have found the only other people in the world that truly understand what they deal with. <laughs> Just <laughs> like with you, <laughs> Excuse you? Just like, yeah. <laughs> Just like with you ladies, I loved their chemistry and how well they got along. Also, they all have some great radio voices, like damn fan self. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Eon has been like walking on clouds right now because he thinks he has the sexiest voice now. He, he does have a pretty sexy voice, <laughs> they, if you know. They all have great voices. Yeah. And she says, e- and even though... He- you all weren't there. I feel like I know you a bit better from your spouse's perspective, though maybe a, maybe a tad too well. Maybe. No? Yeah. <laughs> no such thing. And there were these nuances that made me think of each of you and your partner. Mr. Lott did an excellent job modding, though I'm kicking myself for not trying to get him to say Dagger. <laughs> <laughs> And Mr. Eon was very book knowledgeable, but had momentous one-liners. It's when you're pitching and he's catching is my favorite. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And Mr. Chicky really knew some awesome details that everyone learned from. I didn't didn't even know the actress who played Shay had done porn films. Naturally, that's what he contributed. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, I love this podcast because you ladies are clearly close friends who care for each other just as you do your guests. And you represent the family that is that this fandom is. It's a special thing to introduce your partners and it's warming to know how amazing and supportive they are, especially how they accept and embrace what you all do, knowing how hard you work and they were great sports for doing this, though clearly they were well compensated. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was a lot of fun in this, but there were also some sweet, touching moments promptly followed by a real fear for their personal safety, <laughs> safety as it should be. Aw, I really love that email. Thank you, Rosehart. Thank you, Rosehart. Oh, yeah. And last but not least, we did have an Anon today. And the Anon says, the hubbies were honest, charming, and pretty kind to their JB-obsessed fans. I heard no reason for outrage. Come on. You ladies talk about Jamie's cock all the time. Can you blame them for being into Gwen's ass and Natalie's tits? Cut them some slack. No, I know this is aimed at me. And yes, no, I don't blame him. Actually, we're really open with stuff like this. We never hide who we're attracted to. So (laughs) it's just right in. I had just never like heard it out loud in this way. It was like hearing it like as a third party person. And I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Dozens of strangers over the internet. Dozens. Oh, I think there's a lot more than dozens. (laughs) I really don't care if they're attracted to Marjorie. Marjorie's tits or Gwen's ass. I mean, I think, you know, Natalie Dormier and Gwendolyn Christie are really hot. And if they think they're hot, that's cool. 
Yeah. yeah, I gotta I say, really none of this was news to me. This Gwen's ass thing. I mean, believe me, I've rewatched the supercut of the Jamie Brand <laughs> scenes about a thousand times. <laughs> He's seen a lot of those, and yes, I have heard about her ass. Like there were times I would hear about her ass <laughs> daily. <laughs> wow. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Fair thing. <clears throat> that's it for the comments. Uh, but did we get questions about the episode? You as well? Did get some questions. Commas oh, <laughs> got the oh boy. Okay, some of them are directed at specific people. Um, uh, an an anonymous person wanted to know, does Mr. Chicky like uh, Gwen Christie's ass? I believe we've answered that one. Um, (laughs) Second question was, and what was he drinking? Because we could hear, I guess, the ice cubes. Um, That wasn't him, but yeah, he was was definitely drinking gin. He made us both a couple of gin and tonics, huge ones, before podcast. I think that was Mr. Eon. I think that was mine. I made him a drink right before podcast. Oh, it was um, Gentleman Jack and Dr. Pepper. And I think I made made it a little bit too strong. That was the right move. Good call. Mine was drinking um, coffee, like I do. <laughs> Mine doesn't drink. <laughs> Mr. Lot. Well, um, Lot, um, this question comes from I Heart Dramas, and she wants to know, Lot, is Mr. Lot truly the Ygritte to your Jon Snow? Is he kissed by fire? <laughs> yeah, is he? Uh, no, he's not a Ygritte, and I am not a Jon Snow. If I was Jane Snow, Jane Snow. Jane Snow. Uh, if I was to characterize Mr. Lot, it would probably be amalgamation of, I would say, Samuel Tarley, Sansa, and uh, Oberyn. That would be my husband. Those three all mushed together. That's kind of a good combination. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> um, okay, another Anon wanted to know: Was Lot surprised that her husband is a Jamie Cersei shipper? <laughs> Will the divorce be finalized? She was thrilled. She was happy about that. I don't know. I don't know if I to say he was a shipper, but I, 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 I sometimes wonder if he was just saying that to try to get a rise out of me. Cause he's Didn't he specifically say he, he was saying it to try to get a rise out of me? Yes. Uh, yeah. He's still alive. He's still alive. Okay. Um, this is from Guile and Subterfuge. Oh, they were really pretty sweet, and Jamie, um, I don't know what that, oh, and Tame, definitely T-rated. Question, though, who do you think they're more attracted to, Natalie or Nikolai? Oh, <laughs> they were, this is easy, this is easy for Mr. Chicky, obviously, so. I don't know, he was crushing on Jamie pretty yeah, hard. He, he does, he does like Nikolai, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, well I think Mr. Eon knows that he can't compete with Nikolai. <laughs> so, like, I would say, I mean, he's probably going for Natalie. Oh, mine's going for Natalie as well. And clearly he was like, uh, when it was the uh, Mary fuck kill, he was like, oh, Jamie, that guy. Yeah, he's dead. <laughs> it was so easy <laughs> <to> kill him. <laughs> um, Joyous uh, Follies wants to know, how can you, they not know who? Kaisel is, although, yeah, I barely know who Kaisel is. Yeah, we barely know. <laughs> so. Well, as far as with mine, he's not really big into shipping. He doesn't really obsess with trying right. to pair people off. It's just he just doesn't really do that. 
it was good that he remembered Kyburn though. He he caught yeah. that it was Kyburn that they were talking about, at least. Yeah, no, yeah, they, right. That they weren't a- thinking they thought it was just a character. They didn't know that it was like two yeah. characters and pushed I- together in a portmanteau. <laughs> I have to say I got so much joy over the fact that we had full grown men saying shipping, shipping, shipping. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, let's see, we've got two more. Um another from uh Joyous. I don't even know if I'm saying her name right. Follies. Follies, Follies, yeah. Um, (laughs) Did Chicky cut a bitch? (laughs) (laughs) I didn't, no, because, like, as I said, I'm fully fully aware of his love for Natalie Dormer. He went to that Formula One movie that she was in with uh, What's-His-Face, Thor, the actor, yeah, and he came back and he was like, you should see this sex scene that she did, and I was like, all right, whatever. (laughs) I know that he's completely enamored of her. We're good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Last question from Guile and Subterfuge. <laughs> it's like you don't even know us. You know, we all just want to know if you ladies quote paid up unquote yet. Oh yeah, that that was that night. That's done. <laughs> I'd pay for that every night. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't paid up yet. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Has it his target uh, listening? Got <laughs> 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 <Fun> enough feet hits? <laughs> you said that. <laughs> well, that was those were our questions. Oh, those are great. Thank you. It was fun, and Thanks I did so much, camp. guys. Yeah, I like Tam's suggestion, too. We need to do it again. Yeah, we'll the idea it. of a newlywed game would be hilarious. We should yeah. take ten minutes and do that sometime. Yeah, you guys should do it. Yeah, we That'd should. That'd be fun. It'll be a whole app, because we seriously thought SpouseCast was going to be like, eh, 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> it did. did not know that they could go on for an hour and 15 or whatever yeah. that was. Three grown men that have never said a word to each other before. What yeah. I loved is they had fun whenever it was done recording. Oh yeah. Mr. Eon walks out of the room and he's like, his face is like lit up and he's smiling and he's giggling about it. Yeah. (laughs) Mr. Chicky, the first thing he said was, I would totally do that again. He was like, I would totally do that again. I love it. I love that our guy gets along. Makes my heart swell. My cold, dead heart is beating. I'm just like, it's so cute that you think I'd ever let you near that mic again. (laughs) Oh, I can't do it. I'm kidding. I do talk a lot about people's cocks a lot. I really don't have any room to talk. <laughs> so we have some fun things coming up on Close the Door and Come Here. Um, we've got a drunk cast that's in the can. Um, <laughs> that we recorded right after Spouse Cast. So yeah. It's really rowdy, guys. <laughs> Super duper drunk at the end. Uh, it's a mess. But I have talk- basically no memory of it. So. <laughs> So that's going to get posted on November 11th. Um, we're also looking for guests um, for uh, World of Ice and Fire, that book. Um, I don't know. If you have that book and you really want to be on the uh, on the episode, let us know, please. We've I'm had really some volunteers who were like, if you absolutely can't find anyone else, I might maybe be willing to do it. But we, we don't want to force anyone to do it. So if there's anybody who's really gung-ho about doing an episode about World of Ice and Fire, we'd love to have you. It's hilarious. Yes. We don't really want to do it either. It's going to be a really fun episode, though, I guarantee, because we're going to be so fucking not into that book. <laughs> Yeah, we can just talk about how Rhaegar looks like a Canadian hockey player. 
Ryan Adams for the win. Uh, what else? Oh, I'm also looking forward, um, looking for uh, favorite moments. If you have them, maybe you don't. I don't know. But if you do, <laughs> I need the episode number and what time the uh, favorite moment happened at. So a time code, if you please. And you can send those to us. Uh, so let's see. You can send them by our Gmail at close the door and at gmail.com. You can send them to our Tumblr at close the door and come here.tumblr.com. We're also pretty active on the jamiebrienne.com message boards and I think that's it that was a really dense episode thanks guys it was surprisingly thanks a lot Jimbo for being here for this our kickoff of the old god ups it was fun I like it yeah awesome all right good night all right good night night, everybody